The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I have ever tried. There's so much going on in life, and there's a need for good nutrition for your body. You have to support when you give yourself good nutrition, you give your mind the same thing. And being a chiropractor and preaching and educating individuals on health on a consistent basis, I'm always looking for something that can help meet my demands and needs for my body from a nutritional standpoint so that I can continue to thrive in every aspect of my life, no matter what I do. And this is where I like Athletic Greens. It comes in, it's full spectrum nutrition, it's life-changing. They have an all-in-one superfood powder that hits your nutritional essence. It has things that I truly enjoy, like mushrooms and greens and antioxidants and other factors that I can get in, probiotics and prebiotics and so much more. It is one of the things with all the best things that they have put into this shake. So one taste of this Athletic Greens contains up to 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and so much more to give you that gap, right? That's why they call them supplements. So it gives you that gap to help you with that, that aspect. And for me, especially when I'm on the road, this is my go-to to truly help give me my body and everything that I need to thrive in every aspect that I can. And what's great about the product is it's, it's a lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on its taste. And I must say, the taste is something that I was impressed with because I've taken a lot of different green products in my life. Again, I've been doing nutrition for 21 years, and this is one product that got the taste right, even with all the good, which I was shocked to see that. And right now, what Athletic Greens is doing is they're doubling down on supporting your immune system during these times. And what they're offering is a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash mindful and get your free year of vitamin D and five free travel packs. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, at Empower Your Reality, we have books, we have online classes. You can find the podcast here on there and other things that can help you elevate and truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic and you're listening to The Mindful Experiment as this episode, once a week, I interview someone that can help inspire, create awareness, help improve consciousness, help us become more whole, more balanced, help us really thrive and remember the greatness of who we are. This week, I have the awesome pleasure of interviewing Carl Lashkari. Carl, we had a great conversation. We talked a lot about breaking through limited belief systems. We talked about the emotional state and how it's important when it comes to life, looking at events and so much more. We got into the power, connecting with your power, how to connect with your heart. Why is that so critically important? And also the balance between masculinity energy and femininity energy, or feminine energy and masculine energy, and how that can play a massive role if we have in you to show more of the essence of what's within. Carl is a former management consultant and currently serves as a men's leadership coach. Carl transformed his health and his life by discovering his true self and connecting with his power and his heart as a part of a three-year journey recovering from a chronic illness, one which kept him mostly homebound. Throughout his journey, Carl learned a great deal about the importance of aligning his mind, emotions, nervous system, and physical body, and how to balance masculine and feminine traits within himself to become a purposeful and impact-driven leader. Carl facilitates men's workshops and will be hosting a leadership intensive, the Leadership Brotherhood, in 2021. The purpose of this transformational program is to help other men discover and express themselves powerfully and truthfully to live a fulfilled life and become an inspiring, emotionally intelligent leader who creates thriving and unified businesses and intimate relationships. I'm not going to take any more thunder away from Carl. I know you're going to enjoy this interview just as much as I did. So without any further ado, here is Carl Lashkari. Carl, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm happy to have you on here. The stuff that you're doing and what you're up to and, and a lot of the work overall from just, you know, mental, physical stuff in a wellness perspective, leadership, uh, your business growth. But, I mean, you're doing a lot. And I'm just really excited to have this space with you and more importantly to the listeners to have an opportunity to empower all of us and enlighten us in a better way to help us, you know, break through some things. I know we're going to chat a lot about and to really find, I call freedom. Um, I know you have your own, probably your own terminology to it too. Uh, so want to just say thanks again. And uh, I'm excited. This will be a fun next 40 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever it's going to last. Yeah, I'm excited too. So my listeners know, uh, this question is always coming. They, they know it's the first one. And that is, I'm always intrigued by people's stories. This is one of the reasons why I created the podcast was to have people share their stories so people can understand a little bit about like, it wasn't all a straight road, a straight line, simple, easy. Um, I still have not yet interviewed somebody that was that way. Uh, most of the time, I call it the pinball effect. We bounce around like crazy. And then we finally find that thing that like, okay, this is what I'm here to do, or this is a chunk of my life that I'm going to dedicate to. What's your story? How did you end up doing what you're doing today? Yeah, I've never thought of my story as a pinball machine, but now that you say it, I definitely can relate with that. <laughs> oh, I love it. So for me, I I grew up in the Bay Area, graduated in a finance degree, uh, graduated from U University of California, Davis, went on to work in the hedge fund industry for several years, uh, asset management, working in, in finance, leading operations locally in the U.S., as well as in the UK. And 
then I, after a while, decided that that wasn't fully for me. So I moved into the tech startup industry and became an Internet of Things blogger. And um, that led me to a consulting career, techno- technology consulting career. And I did this for about three to four years. And through this process, you know, I was always one of the typical work hard, play hard types worked a lot of hours in in all those careers, 60 to 70 hour weeks, spent the weekends, a lot of times going out, going to Las Vegas, doing the the typical work hard, play hard thing. And as I was living the consulting life of red eye flights, long work hours, just really pushing myself through, powering through it, hitting the milestones, all of that, I started to begin to, to fall sick every few months. And at the time, I thought it may have been the flu. I didn't realize that it was something more where I would wake up with intense body aches, really, really strong fatigue, dizziness, noise sensitivity, pretty much not able to do anything, get out of the bed or anything. And it so happened that at the beginning, it would go for two weeks and then I'd come back to normal. And of course, because I was a work hard, play hard, power through it, thinking I was a macho man, uh, I unfortunately just didn't listen to my body. And the fifth time I experienced one of these flare-ups, I never returned back to normal. And this was now August of 2018. So since August of 2018, I have been on a journey to recover, to claim my life back. For about eight months, I was completely in bed, having to crawl to use the restroom, only leaving the house for doctor appointments and took a good year and a half to have a decent being able to socialize once or twice a week and just really, really got back to the basics. And the, the medical system, you know, I've been on a couple of medications, but overall there was nothing that was going to solve it. Um, many people with my health condition, which is called chronic fatigue syndrome or my, myalgic encephalomyelitis most people have them have this condition for years, decades, et cetera. Uh, there's actually a campaign out there called the millions missing campaign, because there are millions of people missing from the world with this condition. And, you know, when I was in bed, I would always say that that's not going to be me. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to discover, you know, the best patients I can have and find out what is going on. And that led me to a journey of just looking inward At first, I wasn't even having the energy to meditate. And then when I developed the capacity to do so, I started to meditate 20 minutes, 30 minutes, started to look at different exercises. Breath work allowed me to be able to send oxygen to my legs so I could start to walk again. Um, Heart opening work around heart coherence and law of attraction type work helped me to relieve some of my symptoms. And I can go on and on, tried over 30, 40 different modalities. And every, every four to six months, roughly, I found that I've picked something up that has taken me a step closer, a step closer. And I, I still have my ups and downs. However, I'm mostly back in the world. And uh, one of the elements of my journey that really helped was men's work. I ended up meeting with a few gentlemen at an improv comedy class. It was one of the first things I did when I, when I first started getting out of the house. And they introduced me to the world of men's work. And we had an 
amazing year and a half together where we met weekly, we supported each other. We did a lot around the release and, and flow of, of emotions and ended up creating something in San Diego with these men where we, we created a container where once a month we brought 30 to 40 people together and, uh, and did this work, supported each other, sharpened each other and had brotherhood. And this was very, very powerful work because it was really going deeper beyond all the conditionings we have, beyond all the wirings we have from our childhood all through our adulthood and being able to really uncover the true, true essence of who we are. I love that, man. Uh, yeah, men's work is so critical. Males, we need so much support. Uh, you see the women movement and so forth. And it's like, hey, what about us men? We need this too, in some way, shape, or form. I got Absolutely. a couple questions for you just because I'm from the mindset world and it's all about the mind, neuroprogramming, conditioning, all these things. Was okay. there someone who told you, gave you framework to kind of tell you that you're supposed to work hard, like those 60, 70 hours, this is what you have to do to be successful. This is what you have to do to go to that level. Or was this something that you just developed or was that something that someone else told you and you learned from that? This is something that I just believe was told to me all my life. Uh, you know, I was raised to work hard and, and not not in a bad way, but raised to be told to, to work hard and, you know, you'll bear the fruits of your labor. You see it in society. So many people work hard. You'll get what you want. Uh, hard work won't kill you. Some of my my idols growing up, I was a big, big sports fan. Michael Jordan, specifically, you know, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, uh, was a big. And every time I saw something around, I sleep four hours and I get it done. That really appealed to me. That really motivated me. It's like, wow, there's, if I can be a man without limitations, I can do the unthinkable like some of my heroes have done. And uh, I think that was always very motivating to me. And it's just, it's just something that was always in my world. I love how you brought up Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant, you know, same thing, rest in peace. Uh, he was someone, but Michael Jordan was that one person for me that was like, wow, look at this. Got to go out there. Got to grind. You got to do the work. You know, all the, all the terminologies that you use nowadays. And the reason why I bring that up is just because it's sometimes that we we see that process, right? And you and, and when you were talking and sharing your story, what came to me was you ever hear the quote from Dalai Lama when he talked about what's the most what's the most uh, thing that surprised him most about humanity? No, I have not. All right. So he was asked in an interview one time, he was asked this question and they said, what is the one thing that surprises you most about humanity? And his response was man. And the reason why he's or woman or it's just humans in general. But in basic, he was saying is because they sacrifice their health in order to make money. Then they sacrifice mm -hmm. money to recuperate their health. And then they're so anxious about the future that they don't enjoy the present. And then the results being that he does not they don't live in the future, the present nor the future. They live as if they're they're go never going to die, and then dying has never. Then they die, never having really lived. And mm. there's a profound quote, and I say that and it resonates with me a lot because that was my 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 background and my story was similar, in some ways, working hard, grinding. Oh, my health! Don't worry, I'm Superman. I'll get through this. You know, I could break through this. Look, see, look how much I'm doing. I'm fine. I'm perfectly okay. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. wham! One thing after another, right? Mm -hmm. Starts mm -hmm. hitting you, hitting you, hitting you over time, and and really, um, um, 
trans- changes things in a way. What was it that, so your health, with your health and everything that was going on, um, I love how you said you tried 30 to 40 different modalities. Was it a mindset of that you were just never going to give in, never going to give up, never going to surrender? And it was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this, how to get better and how to get healthier. Um, what was your inner passion and move drive to uh, get to that, to continue to move forth. Because some people, I mean, me being a chiropractor, I work with a lot of people. Most of the time when someone comes to me, they've already been through the bandit of the medical system. And they're like, well, I have nothing else to lose. Let me try a chiropractor. Um, and that could be for any ailment or a condition. Um, what was your drive to continue moving forward? My drive was to, to have my life back, to be in the world. When I was in bed, I truly, truly didn't know I mean, my head was just so full of inflammation, my body just hurting like nine out of 10, could not move. And I questioned, am I ever going to date again? Am I ever going to work again? Am I ever going to go on a vacation again? And, you know, speaking to that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant mentality, even though I knew I had to shift it from one of force to one of allowance and surrender, um, or not even knew I had to, but I was forced to. I, I still knew I wanted to, to have this life. You know, I didn't want 30 years in bed. And I have experienced transformations in my life. When I was younger, I lost 70 pounds. Uh, I, had, I had a lot of stuff when I was younger around intimacy that I had to work through and, and was able to, to move past that. So I've made several transformations, even in my career. So I just told myself, okay, here's another one. And yeah, this is the, this is the tallest task, but this is something that, I can't say no to. The only distinction is I always had this overcoming mentality through brute force, through pushing through it, powering through it, not taking no for an answer. And I knew I had to do quite the opposite. I had to listen. I had to be curious. I had to surrender. Um, Because anytime I, even if I felt an emotion, if I felt anger over my condition, I would flare up because that would take up too much energy. So I just knew that I had to really bring a sense of lightness into my mind and into my body. And I can tell you energetically, I'm a very different person than I was three years ago uh, because of that approach. So it was a lot of, I'm going to do what I need to do. I've always been an adaptable human being, Dr. Vic. So that's, that's something which it's had its, its, its flaws and it has its, its amazing qualities. And this is something that I really had to just listen and adapt. And this whole process of, what has brought me to healing and what I am looking to bring to the world is developing this inner congruence. And that's just doing a lot of listening and a lot of feeling. I love to hear that, man. And with, um, lost my thought, my question here for a second with that though, when you were with going through that journey and, you know, in in that process, would you say that this was more, um, was a blessing for you in a sense, when you look back (laughs) through everything, Absolutely, brother. Uh, I, I refer to this sometimes as my condition and many times as, as the gift, as the gift I've been given. Because I'm, I've always been someone who has a little bit of extra passion, a little bit of extra purpose. And I didn't allow myself to access those parts of myself because I was doing well in my careers. You know, I was successful financially. I was successful in terms of the roles which I wanted to get. But I wasn't really passionate about it. And I feel like I was a little bit numb in my relationships and my career and in all areas of my life. And what this did is this awakened me. This awakened me to a strong sense of purpose and passion around that purpose that 
right now, the men's work that I'm doing, you know, sometimes I show up when I'm physically not 100%, but I just, I have so much purpose for what I want in the world. I want other men to not suffer from what I suffered from. And alluding back to what you mentioned with the Dalai Lama quote, quote, I think a lot of that suffering comes from the archetype of what it's like to be a man in our society. We have to be quiet. We have to push through it, look strong, be the kind of strong, silent type. And sometimes we need to be expressed. Sometimes we need to be very vulnerable. And there's just so many of these qualities that make us human that I feel like haven't been allowed, or at least at the very least in our minds, we don't allow. And I I have found this purpose and I would have never found it without this condition. So it absolutely is my gift. I love that. And I, and I asked you that question too, because I, I wrote a book about this, about like walking into, it's called a walk in the dark. And the whole purpose of the book is that whatever we have, whatever we face in life, the dark is just the obstacles, it's challenges. It's it's the struggles of what we're all going to experience. They never stop coming. Uh, we never stop having them. And it's one of the things, though, that when we really go into it and we really tap into that darkness, then all of a sudden we get to appreciate a little bit more of the light of what we have, right? We can see the power of our light. We can experience more. And I use a reference all the time. You can never see the power, the, the power or the, yeah, the power and the, the effects of what a candlelight can do unless you're in pure darkness. Mm, and that's so, beautiful. What I get from that is just the appreciation, the greater appreciation of what's present. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's a law of duality. You can't have, you can't experience, you can't experience and know what good is unless you've had bad. You can't have, mm-hmm. uh, well, some people say, well, I could have financial success and, and not have to go through the negative side of it. But I'm like, well, you have to, it's the appreciation. It's, it's getting all the energy and the elements of it be in order mm-hmm. then being able to, you know, grasp those types of things. So I love that. Yeah. And, 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 An example, if you don't mind me jumping oh, in, yeah, that, go ahead. That really, yeah, that really resonates with me because when I was in my prior life and I was, I told you I was traveling every week as a consultant, I was living out of a suitcase and on weekends going scuba diving every week in the Florida Keys and salsa dancing. And one thing I remember is even when I was in the process of doing a scuba dive one day, I was always thinking about the next two or three. This weekend I'm going here, next weekend I'm going to go here, next weekend I'm going to go here. And I was always focused on the like what it was going to look like, the whole breadth of all the times I was going to dive. Now, when I'm able to do something, I still haven't done a scuba dive yet, but when I snorkel or when I swim or some of the other things that I hadn't been able to do for two and a half years and I'm now just able to do, boy, can I tell you, do I soak in the moment? Do I feel the moment? Am I present to the moment? Do I remember every detail of it? And now I'm not thinking about the 20 dives I want to do. I'm just thinking about where I'm at in the moment and how amazing that is. I love that, man. It's one of those things where I talk about how the present moment is something that like it, it when you truly are there, there's this joy of experience and, and really, I, I always give it like a glimpse of, uh, you get a glimpse of eternity uh, from it because it's just, everything's just amplified, right? And I yeah. love how you share your story because it's like, we're like, we've gone through very similar experiences. I'm a type A driver personality individual. So I was always like, boom, we got this level. Great. What's next? Who got to that level? Great. What's next? And one of my coaches is like, do you ever smell the roses? Do you ever just take a moment? And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but I got big things to achieve. I got limited time here. I got to do all that I can. And, uh, but I was always stressed. I was never relaxed. I was never calm, centered, and actually happy. And, uh, 
then all of a sudden you finally say, you know what, this isn't working out when you get to certain levels. And it's like, let me try something different. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, things may mean, I'm just going to appreciate the moment, forget where I'm trying to go. I know where I want to go. I know where that is. I have a vision for it, but let me just be here for now. Cause I know that's going to happen. The vision's going to happen. I know that for a fact, but how I'm going to get there, I don't know. So how about we just enjoy the journey as we go? Absolutely. Love that, man. So what are some things we talked about some limited beliefs uh, prior to getting on here and breaking through them? Um, I think those are critical to a lot of things. I know in my own personal life and, and, and what I had as growing up and what, what, were, what were conditioned into me uh, and so forth. Um, how important are they or would, do you have a process to helping to break limited beliefs or, um, or how can someone be more aware of them? Yeah. And the key to me is the word awareness that, you know, you just alluded to. I think, I think there's, there's, we're complicated creatures. There's a multi-step process. Some of the beliefs come from actual experiences and memories and those experiences and memories are stored in our body. And through a lot of the men's work that I've done, freeing those emotions through deep expression, through different modalities such as EFT tapping and breath work and whatnot can free some of the underlying emotions that lead to those beliefs. And sometimes we just have beliefs that we're just told or, or beliefs that we created in our mind. And it's really about the, the simple mindfulness principles of non-attachment, non-judgment, just really seeing something for what it is without having to create a story around it. And I found that to be very, very powerful to be what I, I don't know if anyone here is a, is a game of Thrones watcher, but no one. And uh, to really feel like, okay, all the possibilities are in front of me. I could easily tomorrow, I could be homeless living in a park or I could be living in a mansion, a $5 million mansion. I could easily be, completely healthy running a marathon or I could be in bed like I was not being able to do anything and I believe all the possibilities are there for us and the belief systems we have the words we speak the feelings we feel the actions we take are instrumental to creating those realities so I think the first step in terms of quote unquote getting rid of these limiting beliefs is to simply know what they are and to take a different lens and say, okay, is this a truth? Is this a 100% truth? And the second we can look at it and say, yeah, this may be a truth, but there, there can be other truths. And the words, feelings, and actions I, I take to get there can alter that truth is when we start to take power for ourselves. So for me, the mindfulness component is key, bringing awareness to, and then mindfulness training and just reminding ourselves that we are, we are all of it and we are none of it. And if we can observe these circumstances in our life, if we can see them from a very neutral eye, we have the power to take action, make decisions and surrender to what is to change that state of affairs. 
I love that, man. I think you brought up a great point out of that. There's a couple of great ones out of there, too. I mean, one of the spiritual laws say that everything exists. All things already exist. There's nothing that doesn't exist out of existence. Um, and that's true from a spiritual side, but then also in life, right? I, you look at it from a neurological standpoint. Uh, there's a part of the brain that you actually give value to to give you an experience. It's like a filter. And the way you program that programs your life. And that's all you're going to see because it's, it's, it's what you're dictating. This is how we talk about everyone says you're an author. You're the creator of your life. You're this, you're that. And I was always like, that's great. I love that. That sounds so inspiring. But where's some science to prove that? Because I need that part because I'm more of like a, I'm a right brain, left brain individual, very strong left brain. But uh, I've learned over time through mindfulness practice like you have and endured, which I recommend everyone to do to create more of a balance. But I also know that we live in a very left brain dominant world, right? Okay. We have computers, we have, we have small little, these phones, we can have instant access to anything with info. And it was one of those things where I'm like, I need the science to back that up. And I found mm -hmm. it. It's great. It's there. Um, but it's one of those things where all things are there and all possibilities are there, right? Like you just said, tomorrow I could be homeless or I could be living in a mansion. Those realities are all there and out there for you to experience and have. Mm -hmm. But absolutely. The one that stood out to me the most is when you said an event, just seeing it as it is, right? How many times do we have an event in life and then we put our own, uh, it's like my, my coach would always say, it, what's factual versus an opinion? He's like, he always like, you got to distinguish the difference. What's factual and an opinion. The fact is, here's the event. This is what happened. That's it. There's nothing else outside of that. Everything you say outside of that is your opinion. So how much is it in, how much do emotions in your emotional state when it comes to events in your life, things that you've gone through, right? Because there's so many times people let an event and then they dictate that event and put an emotional, you know, they program it with their emotions and then it dictates their life until they finally become aware and say, hold up, wait a minute. Just because that happened didn't mean that it's X, Y, Z. What if it could be something different? How important is emotional state in that? And then also in all the work that you're doing also. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm glad you asked that two days ago. I, I let her I led a men's group around this very topic around the emotional state. And it's just so important. And I really resonate with what you said around us being a left brain society. It's one of the topics I talk about the most when I'm speaking about this work is that the intellectualization we have, it's just part of the patriarchal society that was built, you know, centuries ago. And you know, there's the masculine and the feminine. The masculine is thinking, logic, reasoning, analytics, analytical thinking. And the feminine is more of feeling, intuition, emotional intelligence, feeling the emotions. And by the way, for the audience, when I speak mas masculine and feminine, I'm talking that we have these traits within all of us. So I have masculine and feminine traits. You do as well, Dr. Vic. So in speaking to that, it's a lot of the masculine, the thinking, the logic has been celebrated and it's gotten us a lot of places. I mean, if you think about capitalism and when it was implemented into our society, logic, reasoning, structure, planning, outcome oriented was very important to build a successful society, to build an empire. However, I think as time has gone on, we've lost that connection with our emotions, with our hearts, with our feelings of the moment. And so much of our truth does come from our feelings at the moment. And once we're able to cultivate a capacity to be a witness of those emotions and know that these emotions are constantly changing, 
you know, to, right now I may be feeling one way about something. An hour later, I might be feeling another way. And my truth may change with that. And the thing about an emotional truth rather than a core belief truth is an emotional truth may tell you exactly how you feel. And it may be just the reaction to, to a memory that was triggered from the past. So cultivating a relationship with these emotions allow us to really understand our inner compass and they allow us to understand, you know, the, our emotions tell us what they believe are dangerous for us, what they believe will make us happy, what they believe will make us sad. And when we start to cultivate an ability to connect with these emotions, we can really listen to that compass and make decisions from a higher level. doesn't mean you always listen to your emotions because our emotions are coming from our traumas as much as they're coming from our wins. But it gives us the ability to know, okay, this is truly how I feel about this. And if I go and make this decision, then I'm noticing that I have a lot of fear around it and it, I may get hurt. I may get harmed from this. Uh, so emotions are an incredible compass for us to really get to understand ourselves and all the various flavors of ourselves. I think when we get lost in this intellectualism, we tend to view ourselves as one identity. I am Carl, a 35-year-old men's group leader, blah, 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 and I stick to that identity. But once we get closer with our emotions, we really start to understand all the different flavors of who we are because we are complex creatures. And that really brings a lot of flavor and a lot of, a lot of life to who we are. And going back to what I said earlier, that allows me to really relax into I am all of it and I am none of it because my emotions show me all the different facets of who I am. When you, when you were talking about certain emotions, were, were, was that, would you call those like triggers when they, when some things come up with certain emotions, right? Talking about the past and, and something you're getting, getting reactive to something like that. Yeah. I mean, emotions can be triggers. They can also not be, you know, you can just simply feel an emotion, a light sense of happiness, a light sense of joy, a light sense of fear, or they can come in the form of triggers. I would say, I would call it a trigger for an emotion that's very intense. And like you said, you react to it and you lose a little bit of control. I would call that a trigger. But the more we cultivate facility with these emotions, the more we're able to not get triggered because we're able to see them before it turns into a trigger. We're able to experience the emotion as it arises rather than when it takes us over. I love that. Because <clears throat> I think sometimes when you get like that trigger, that emotional trigger, um, it gives us an opportunity to see what is the inner work that we have to work on, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I truly believe we always have stuff to work on. There is always something, even the greatest masters of masters. I, I, I've had the honor of meeting, like I would call him a master, but it was one of the things where... Um, I'd be like, oh, when you, because my mindset used to be, I had a mindset of, you know, once you get to a certain level, that's it. You're good. You don't have to work as hard. Things get a lot easier. And uh, he would laugh and he's like, no, the work is always there. You see me as a master in this, but I am no master. I'm a student. And I was like, hold up. You like dominate the world. You're this amazing at what you do. And he'd be like, no, <laughs> it, it, you're, I'm a student learning all the time. And I have my own challenges that I face every day. And so it was one of those things where I was like, um, it, it was kind of interesting to, to, to see that and hear that from them. Yeah, that's fascinating to hear that from someone who's done it. I definitely believe that the minute you start stop becoming a student is the minute you stop becoming a master. So. 
So true, man. I love that statement. So we talked about how we're in a left brain society, right? How important it is it to connect to the heart and the heart center, our true power is what I like to call it. Um, and what are ways that individuals can do that? Yeah. So it's a process, right? We've, we've been so stuck in our head, in our, in our white collar jobs, corporate jobs, schooling systems, being told to logic, logic, learn, knowledge. Then now we've got all these technology devices in front of us, and that has led us further into our heads because we're watching videos, we're reading, we're just always up there. So I think we've really hit a time where it's even harder to access our body, our heart, our emotions. And that comes like anything else through practice. Just like meditation is practice to, depending on what meditation styles you practice, to empty your thoughts, to come back to center, to focus, to open your awareness. We need to learn how to get in our bodies. We need to relearn how to feel, especially men, but men and women across that ability to trust that inner intuition. And it's just learning how to feel. So the way I like to think of it is going outside in. First, learning how to feel just into the outside of my body. Any back aches, any tension in my neck or shoulders, just feeling what is going on in my body. Then taking it a step deeper to feeling my heartbeats, my hunger, nervousness in my belly, that layer of more subtle feelings. Then taking it even deeper to feeling those, what do I even call them? Those, those things that pop up in your belly and your chest that are the compass of emotions. I mean, what you call them are emotions. I'm trying to describe them, those, those mini triggers, those things that the red and green lights that pop up and tell you, okay, I have a response to this. So it's really about feeling from the outside body in, which is why body scans I find to be very valuable. And one practice I remember doing when I first, when I first fell sick and I was just completely in my head and a lot of people were telling me that I was so intellectual and I needed to get into my body. I didn't know how to do it. Is I started to watch Pixar movies every day. And I knew that I had a hard time feeling angry, sad, excited for myself because I was so numb. So I decided to watch Pixar movies and just identify what emotions would come up as I was watching the movies. And simple, but very powerful practice for me as that helped me cultivate the ability to identify what the, some of those emotions were. And that's just one example of embodiment work, breath work, um, a lot of energy work helped open up those channels to feel as well uh, through men's work, feeling deeply and expressing through support of your brothers. So a lot of different ways, but really it was spending more time in my body, creating practices, pranayama practices, embodiment practices to get out of the mind and into the body. That's where it started. And once I was able to go down that road, I was able to get more facility with my body. So I was able to actually do visualizations to elevate my emotional state and raise my level of my baseline of happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, and actually cultivate an ability to manage my emotions because I was so in touch with clarity with what they were that I was able to, you know, most of the time emotions, you're never going to be able to control them, but get to a point of neutrality where a good number of the time I'm in a state of neutral where I can then actually cultivate the emotion that I need for the moment 
if I need to be powerful, I know a visualization I can put in place to feel powerful and exude that powerful nature. If I'm, if I want to feel loving, the same goes. So it starts with noticing and then it moves to more of a mastery. I love that, man. I think that's really, really powerful practice to, um, to, to utilize and so much more, especially connecting to the heart. Would you say that through all of that though, when you do that type of work, do you become more, I always call it the eye of the storm. Uh, I always think of like a hurricane and that there's the chaos of the world outside the eye, but that when you're in the eye, there's no storm. It's beautiful. It's bliss. There's sunny skies, clear birds are flying. It's, it's a whole different world. Would you say that when you do get connected with the body and learn, and I always tell people, you got to learn how your body works and how it feels because it's actually a tool more than anything else, uh, plus mm -hmm. other things. But would you say that you become less, I want to say reactive. That's the word I'm, uh, it's not the word I'm looking at. It's more like, I want to say controlled because if someone can say something to you and get a reaction, or let's say you're like, I'm going to have, you know, sometimes I ask in my office every day when I'm just a patient, no matter if they've been the first visit or a thousand, they know that the question's coming is tell me something good today or what's good today. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And there could be two stories to that. One could be, well, there's something this way or I didn't have anything good. This is all bad. Well, OK. Or for me, it's like they say, Doc, what's good for you? Oh, man, there's a lot that's good for me. Uh, where do I begin? I don't even know. Like there's there's I'm, I'm alive today. Let's just go with the basics. Um mm -hmm. Does that kind of help the individual be more centered? And I, I want to say you, you're, man, what is the word I'm looking for? It's, it's pop. It's, it's not popping in my head, but I can feel the energy of it. But um, it's like, you're leading the way you're being the way you're dictating the day in a certain degree, rather than mm -hmm. the, the day dictating you. Yes. Yes. So I absolutely agree with that, that it allows you more to dictate your day, your energy, your state of a of what's going on around you than it dictating you. The one thing which, which I found very fascinating is what came up for me as you said that is there are different approaches you can take to how you want this non-attachment to look. Like for some people who follow strong Buddhist philosophies, mindfulness philosophies, it's really important to be unhindered by anything going on the outside, to just see it for what it is, to not have any reactions and to just flow through in a very steady way. And that's great for a lot of people and that works for a lot of people. I have a little bit of a different approach where I'm a deep feeler. I've always been a deep feeler. I was a sensitive boy growing up and uh, really have an open heart naturally. And it's important for me to feel those things. So I've taken a path which I probably feel a little bit more of the ups and downs than I used to because I'm no longer feeling numb to it. So sometimes I feel that that roller coaster. But again, like we spoke to, I now have a mindset that tells me, okay, I know exactly what is going on here. This is just my emotions, my body responding to something because it senses danger. And instead of riding that roller coaster, instead of reacting, I know that, okay, what is what is the next step that's going to lead this? What is the next step that's going to serve me best? So I actually allow for that flow of emotions so I can use it as a compass to really be where I need to be. And I think there's multitude of approaches you can use in terms of how much to feel 
the different ups and downs going on. But at the end of the day, one thing is is common in, in both these approaches, and that is non-reactivity, responding intentionally. I love that. That's awesome, man. When it, we talked about masculinity and femininity, fem, femininity, and we, uh, you were, you were breaking down the differences between the two, like, you know, just for a male, you know, for a female, they could become more masculine just as a, a male needs to become more feminine. Do you see mm-hmm. men? And when I say more feminine energy, I always like to really be clear on this, that it's, I, I believe that we have to, we have to have both. We can't have one or the other that creates massive imbalance. Do you see human species as a whole starting to utilize both to become more wholesome within themselves? Yeah, I think it's powerful to, to cultivate the capacity to have both. So then you can choose what energy you want to be in. So say, for example, let's talk about a 1950s, 1960s, typical family dynamic, which is very different than how it is today, where the man had to make sure he worked paid the bills, did his job, you know, intellectual, and he wasn't expected to be nurturing. He wasn't expected to be in his heart. That wasn't part of what was expected of him. And vice versa, the woman was expected to nurture the family and bring heart, bring love, and really have no capacity to bring home the bacon financially. And how much neediness came from that? on both sides? How many relationships did people get into where they were with someone because it filled a gap of a skill set, a tool set that they weren't able to have themselves? So I think as we are growing and, you know, we're seeing amazing, you know, empowerment with women and we're seeing men tapping into more of their feeling bodies, uh, caring more about impact-driven businesses and social justice causes and we're seeing a lot more coming to center. And for me, I have a personal belief around what I don't want is I don't want any, everybody in the center because I do think men and women have very distinct biological characteristics that are beautiful in their own right. However, if we can cultivate the capacity to access both, so as men access our intellectualism, our power, our logic, structure, everything we talked about the masculine and also be able to drop into our hearts, our compassion, our play, all of it. We can then choose what version of ourselves we want to be in the moment. You know, if some people like relationships with traditional dynamics, I know there's a lot around sexual polarity where traditional dynamics due to biological nature creates more romance in relationships. You can choose that, but you don't need that. It's not coming from a place of neediness. So to me, being able to to cultivate both our masculine and feminine energies, which is something I've worked hard to do, allows you to take away that neediness to have someone else fill your gaps. You can now choose to be the person you want to be. Maybe if you're a woman, for example, you want in the workplace, you want to, you know, you're an executive and you want to be powerful. However, when you come home back to your husband, you want to relax and flow. You're able to do that. And being more well-rounded beings allows us to give the choice to to be in the reality we want to be in. 
I love that, brother. It's something that, you know, um, in chiropractic, we have a term called neurological flexibility, which means you can bounce to what we call, I call the gas pedal. And the medical term is sympathetic nervous system, where it's your work, mm -hmm. your, 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 it's survival mechanisms, but it's also the work mechanisms. It's also the overstimulation mechanisms. It's what breaks down the body. But then you have the, what I call the brake pedal, which is called parasympathetics, which is your growth development. It's your rest and repair. It's kind of like the reset button to get you back centered, balanced, heal what needs to be repaired and so forth. And we say flexibility because when you have to go work, you do that and you fly right back into brake pedal to repair and get the body rocking and rolling for everything. And I think it's very critical that we as men and women need to be more flexible in the feminine energy as much as in the masculine, because like as a male, if my wife needs me just to listen, I have to step out of my masculinity energy and get into my feminine energy and just be like, okay, I'm just going to hear and listen. Right. Because as men, as you know, we like to fix things. We just want to <laughs> tell me, okay, honey, I got the solution right here. And she's like, uh, nope, let's just, I need you to listen. Okay. Sorry. Uh, let me, let me take a step back. And then you just get into a listening mode and it's just like, all right, here, I'm just going to listen. I'm not thinking about solutions. I just want to be in the moment and try to feel her energy and feel where she is. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's where you're kind of coming at. Is that what you're kind of saying? Having that flexibility? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. And being, being what the moment needs, you know, without saying being a chameleon, no, being your true self. But what parts of yourself does the moment need right now? And sometimes, like you said, your wife might need you to listen. She might need you to feel her. In fact, this is, I, I laughed because that's a classic example of how a lot of men have done disservice to our women is by needing to fix something that just is. And we've done disservice to ourselves by needing to fix something that just is. So, um, yeah, absolutely agree with that. Love that, brother. Well, this has been a blast. I want to know really quick, so you can let all the listeners know how they can connect with you. Where are you at? Where can they find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Absolutely. So right now I am in Tulum, Mexico, actually building out a men's work community here with my business partner, Scott Little. And we are actually looking to move around different countries around the world to really rise this movement of men who can support and sharpen each other through brotherhood. Um, you can learn more about where I am and what I'm doing at carlashkari.com. Uh, I'll be launching a eight week program in May around elevating one's emotional state, baseline emotional state through releasing some of those stuck emotions and traumas, dissolving those limiting beliefs, coming back to center, to neutrality, bringing our brainwave states and our body rhythms back to, to uh, their natural rhythm, and then elevating our emotional state where even though we're going to have the ups and downs to feel more enthusiasm, charisma, optimism, and happiness, fulfillment. And there, I'll be launching an eight-week program in May. So feel free to check out carlashkari.com slash elevate for that. And you can find me on Instagram as well. Love that. And I'll have that all in the listener in the show notes for the listeners to tap into and connect with. Um, Carl, this was a blast, man. I, I really had a, a fun time having you on and picking your brain. And I just appreciate the work you do. And I think it's very much needed. And I love the global effect you're creating and so much more. So keep shining that light, brother. And, and again, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. 
To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Thank you.